it is good to be with you this glorious morning on the seventh Sunday of Easter and Memorial Day weekend. And before we go too far, I confess that I don't always understand why the team in charge of the Revised Common Lectionary chose certain texts for particular Sundays. And this Sunday is no exception. At first glance, we find a mod podge of readings that seem to be out of place. On the church calendar, today is the seventh Sunday of Easter, as we wrap up this, the Easter season and head into Pentecost. I gave myself permission to look at the readings for the Ascension of the Lord, which occurred on Thursday. Both readings for the Ascension and the seventh Sunday of Easter are stories of preparing the disciples for what is to come. This morning, we are in the final part of the farewell discourse in John's Gospel. Here, Jesus is with the disciples in Jerusalem and has broken the news that he is leaving the world. The time is coming and now has come for Jesus to go back to the Father. But take heart, he said, I have overcome the world. And then Jesus prayed. Our text for today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17, verses 20 to 26, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. Jesus is praying. I ask not only on behalf of these, the disciples, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be all one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that those also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known, so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Four simple phrases. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. These four phrases and the sentiments they convey can help us resolve interpersonal difficulties with integrity and grace. These four phrases carry a lot of power to mend and nurture our relationships and our souls. In the book, Four Things That Matter Most, Dr. Ira Bayok, an international leader in palliative care, explains how we can practice these life-affirming words in our day-to-day -day lives and improve our emotional well-being. 
He demonstrates the value of stating the obvious and letting the people we love know that we love them and provides practical insights into the benefits of letting go of grudges and toxic emotions. Dr. Bayek learned much from his patients and also the people he interviewed for the book and almost missed the opportunity to say these things to his mom. It turns out his mom had a heart attack in her car while driving on the freeway. Maya confesses in the book that he didn't have a perfect relationship with his mother, but she had read the draft of his book before the accident, and they had discussed the four things. He was able to forgive her for some things. He said his mom was emotionally overbearing and smothering. He expressed his gratitude for his mom's love and support and thanked her for the many memories they had shared. But he still misses his mom, so he talks with her anyway and wishes he could have that conversation in person or by phone. The stories in the book are drawn from the experiences of people who have stood at death's door and from their loved ones who learn to use the four things in their own daily lives. Please forgive me. I forgive you. Thank you. I love you. It's a reminder for all of us to say what's important before it's too late. And you need not wait until you or someone you love is seriously ill. Dr. Bayak also encourages people to say goodbye, which can be meaningful. Thankfully, not all goodbyes are final. The word goodbye derives from God be with you, which is actually a blessing. In our passage for today, Jesus is facing the end of his life. He's sharing what matters most. He was saying goodbye to his disciples with a prayer. As we know, a goodbye and a blessing can become treasured gifts to us when somebody leaves. Here in John's Gospel, we have a most treasured gift, a long prayer, a 632-word prayer, straight from the very heart of Jesus. Now, some will say that this is the real Lord's Prayer as opposed to the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Commentators say that the difference is this. In the Our Father, Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray. But this prayer in John's Gospel is the Lord's own prayer from his heart. So, What mattered most to Jesus as he stood at death's door? He prayed for himself to be glorified. He prayed for his disciples. And he prayed for us. In our text, we pick up where Jesus was praying for those who will believe in him. That's us. In verse 21, he prayed that all of them would become one heart and mind, just as you, the Father, is in me and I in you, and that they may be one heart and mind with us. 
then the world might believe that you sent me, that they will be unified and together as we are, I in them and you in me. Jesus goes on to pray that they may be mature in this oneness and give the world evidence that you sent me and loved them in the same way you've loved me. In other words, as Jesus looked toward the future and prayed for us, he prayed that we will be unified, that we will be one. Now, it's tempting to hear this and scratch our heads and think that the prayer has not been answered. It's right there in the Bible. Even the disciples didn't always get along. They argued as to who will be the greatest. Some things never change. How about Paul and Barnabas? What a wonderful friendship they had until they didn't. Luke recorded their little disagreement in the Acts of Apostles. And what about all those different denominations? Are we unified as followers of Christ? Paul writes in Galatians 3 that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And then in Ephesians 4, there is one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Friends, that's unity. But unity is not the same as uniformity. We don't all have to think the same. There is room for differences, even disagreements. Yet, we are one. And Paul reminds us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So, what does that look like? That means we shouldn't be working against each other. We should be trying to reconcile, to build bridges, and trying to keep the unity of the Spirit. Why? As Jesus prayed, so that the world will know that you sent me. If there is unity among believers, the church will be more attractive. Who wants to visit a church where people are fighting? As I thought about our text for today, I couldn't help but think about what matters most. At the end of his life, Jesus was thinking about us and prayed for us. And Jesus is still praying for us. His love for us is so deep. And if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Jesus loves you and wants us to be with him forever. Jesus wants all of us to be with him in glory, in heaven, for eternity. And I think it's important to remember where we are going, or at least where we are hoping to go, to heaven, to be with God and the church triumphant. Our mortality, however, sometimes gets in the way, when we think we are invincible. But friends, there is no cure for being human. Theologian, author, and professor at Duke Divinity School, Kate Bowler, was our keynote speaker last week at the seminary reunion where I attended. 
Bowler devoted years to extensive research across the United States and Canada on what she would call the American prosperity gospel. The idea that you will have abundant health, wealth, and happiness if you put the right kind of faith in God. At age 35, Bowler had landed a tenure-track teaching position, married, and had a son. She was blessed, as they say. Then she was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. While she never considered herself a believer in the prosperity gospel, this experience made her realize how ingrained the idea of a divine reward system is in American thinking. After a brush with death herself, Kate Bowler suggests that instead of striving for more, let's try living inside of precarity. That is, anything we have can be given or taken away. Instead of trying to escape our circumstances, we can learn to live inside of them, whether it's disease, poverty, structural and racial injustice, and more. The blessing of living inside of precarity, she said, offers the promise of God's presence and of community. Buller learned that the comforts we enjoy and the things we strive for in life may indeed pull us away from what matters most. That is, the oneness with God, Jesus, and one another. As Jesus contemplated his own death, he prayed that we might be unified and together, even as we continue to share God's love with those who will believe in God, and that Jesus was sent by the Father and loves us. It's right there in the prayer, straight from his heart. At the end of his life, Jesus shared what mattered most. And this may be a good time for us to consider what matters most to us. A few years ago, I was privileged to attend a women's retreat for the clergy of the presbytery in which I was serving. Towards the end of the retreat, we were invited to circle up and pray. Now, it wasn't just a prayer. It was a time of sharing our hearts. One by one, we took turns sitting in the middle of the circle and asking for prayer. Then the girls would pray for our request. Now, I have to confess that I was concerned. My palms were sweaty as I secretly questioned why I was there. Oh, I was okay with praying out loud. But asking for prayer was quite another thing. One girl asked for prayer for her son, that he would know God. He had a drinking problem, she said. Another wanted us to pray that she would feel close to God, like she used to. She was in a dry spell, she said. Another sat in the middle of the circle and wept. We're not sure why. When it came to me, I didn't know what to say at first. 
but it was buried there in my soul. After a minute of silence, I blurted out something like this. I don't know. I don't know if I'm being called to the church. At the time, I was serving as a hospital chaplain, and I sensed that God was doing something, but I didn't know what. And so it goes. The girls prayed for me, and I have to say it was freeing, even liberating. Friends, what matters most to you? Jesus prays for us and wants us to have deep, intimate relationship with you and with me. One way we can do that is to meet him in prayer. You don't have to have polished words or refined theology. Just speak with your heart. Open your heart to God and listen. Receive God's blessings of grace, love, hope, and peace. For just a few moments, let's imagine that we are sitting in a circle and you are sitting in the middle. Think of one, two, or four things that matter most to you. In the silence, let's pray for ourselves, each other, and those we may not know, but are known to God. Lord, hear our prayers. On this Memorial Day weekend, we remember the brave women and men who gave their lives for the history of our nation, those who made the ultimate sacrifice to protect us from harm. We pray now for those serving, for their safety and blessing. Today, we join our broken hearts with our sisters and brothers in Uvalde, Texas, Buffalo, and California. Lord, sometimes our prayers are aches and groans because we do not know what to say. As Paul wrote in Romans 8, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for but the Spirit intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. In our very broken and hurting world, the burdens can be too much, and sometimes we cannot find the words to pray. So we rely on the Spirit and groan in prayer for the brokenhearted.
Friends, whatever you are going through right now, you are not alone, and you are loved. We are all one in Christ, one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We are one. Friends, let us make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.